You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. News, news, breaking news. Let's get right into it. The first line of business is one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game. Wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, Larry Fitzgerald, is retiring. That's a sad day. The thing I liked about Larry Fitzgerald is he had more tackles than he had drops. And that's just insane, especially when you think about all the quarterbacks he played with. I mean, really, until Kurt Warner came along, who did he really have? And uh, he had a couple years with Carson Palmer. Um, and then, yeah, he had a lot of like John Skeltons and uh, Cade McCowns and, and those type of guys playing quarterback. So for... Uh, uh, it's been a great career. He definitely is one of the best ever to do it, and I'm sad to see him go. But you definitely noticed a, a decline in his play this year, and, uh, yeah, he's retired. QB Matt Schaub, he, he's the Atlanta Falcons backup quarterback to Matt Ryan. He's retiring, and I just got to say, man, it's it's about time. I mean, he started as a backup to Michael Vick, and if you remember when the uh, – suspension to Michael Vick started uh, or yeah it started and uh, he was kicked out of the league Matt Schaub came in and played quarterback for the Falcons and actually played pretty well he was definitely a different dynamic than Michael Vick a really tall uh, guy from uh, Virginia and then uh, went to the Houston Texans on a big contract and was the Houston Texans starting quarterback for a long time and then just yeah recently he's the backup to the Falcons and I uh, haven't really heard his name much because Matt Ryan's been pretty uh, on point with not missing games, so we haven't really seen a lot of Matt Schaub. But now he's uh, he's retired. Frank Gore, you'd think maybe I'm saying that he's retiring. He is not. He's going to come back. So he plans on coming back if someone will take him. So we'll see if someone does take him, and I'm sure there'll be someone out there that will take Frank Gore. I don't think he'll have the role that he has with Adam Gase because Adam Gase seems to love him. So as long as Adam Gase is not in the league, uh, I think it's going to be hard to f- for Frank Gore to find a home. But he will as a backup, complimentary piece for sure. So uh, it's, he might be playing until he's 50, who knows. But uh, for someone in, in, at the running back position to still be going like this is pretty crazy. And if you think about it, when he first started his career, he was had like an injury-prone label. He blew out his knee at Miami, and when he got drafted, there was a lot of red flags about if his knee would hold up, and it's more than held up. He's an old man out there playing running back. The Texans agreed with Nick uh, Casario as the general manager. He was the former player development guy for the uh, Patriots, and... Texans want to hire him last time. Maybe they should have instead of giving it to Bill O'Brien. They, they might have their first round draft picks. But regardless, he was signed as their GM. And it was kind of a crazy thing because he wasn't even a listed candidate that they were interviewing. And then next thing you know, oh, he signed. And to piggyback off of that, 
Deshaun Watson obviously wasn't very happy about that because now he wants a trade because uh, he wanted them to interview Eric Bieniemy as a coaching candidate. That obviously isn't happening, so he's pretty angry. And we'll see how that drama unfolds. I think any team in the NFL would like Deshaun Watson and his skill set, but I mean, the Houston Texans, I don't see a situation where they would trade Deshaun Watson because uh, he he is their team right now. And you look at what he's able to do on offense with the squad, especially after Bill O'Brien left and kind of they un- unleashed the, uh, the reins that he had on him early on. He's a top quarterback in this league. So, uh, in playoff news, Coach Kevin Stefanski, guard Joel Betonio, and wide receiver Kadero Hodge, they were on the COVID list, and it's looking like they're going to miss the Sunday playoff game against the Steelers. That's significant. You don't want to not have your coach there, and especially for the Browns, who need everything they can get. It's uh, they're, they're going to be behind the eight ball in this playoff game. So we'll, we'll see how it's going to turn out, but uh, obviously Steelers are favored in this game to win. And I, I, I think with these uh, people missing the game, especially Betonio, uh, Stefanski calls the plays, so that's significant. Uh, Steelers looks like they have an easier road to win this one. And that really kind of sums it up. We'll uh, get right into the uh, goats of the week. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. Our final Week 17 Goats of the Week. These will be our final Goats of the Week until the next season in October or September of 2021. So let's get started. It's kind of a somber day in that regard. The number three goat of the week is Justin Herbert, Los Angeles Chargers at the Chiefs. He was 22 for 31, 302 yards for three touchdowns. He also ran the ball six times for nine yards and had a rushing touchdown. Four total touchdowns. Now this is a Chargers team that hung with the Chiefs when they were at uh, you know full tilt, and now that the Chiefs are resting people, it uh, they pretty much dominated this game. The the Chargers improved to seven and nine. The Chiefs dropped to fourteen and two. Didn't really matter. The Chiefs were going to have the first round bye, so of course they didn't play anybody. But it really opened the gate for Justin Herbert to have a really big day. My number two goat of the week is Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings quarterback at the Detroit Lions. Twenty-eight for forty, four hundred and five yards and three touchdowns. He also was uh, ran the ball five times for a single yard, but scored a touchdown there. And it's just crazy. Kirk Cousins, I think the only negative thing we can say about his game was that uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson weren't involved in any of those touchdowns. It was to Madison. It was to Abdullah. It was to Don Beebe. Or, sorry, Chad Beebe. And, uh, yeah, you, you really wanted Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to have big days. They, they were top players this week, and... Yeah, all the touchdowns went somewhere else. So, disappointing. But not disappointing for Kirk Cousins if you played him. It, uh, you saw what Tom Brady did to the Lions, and Kirk Cousins just kind of picked up where Tom Brady left off. And it's a shame that the Lions are done for the year because now there's 
no other quarterbacks right now that are going to be playing against the Lions to uh, dominate their defense like uh, the you know the quarterbacks have been doing the last couple of weeks. But uh, mercifully, the Detroit Lions season's over. The Vikings season is over as well. The Vikings are seven and nine, and they actually did better than you know with how bad their defense was. They were able to, you know, pass the ball and keep in games a lot better than I thought and be relevant for a while. It just uh, the wheels fell off. Number one goat of the week is Cam Newton, New England Patriots quarterback versus the New York Jets. I never thought I'd have Cam Newton as my number one goat of the week. But here it is, week 17. He saves the best for last. He saves it when no one needs him to perform. He pulls it out. 21 for 30, 242 yards, three touchdowns. He also ran the ball 11 times for 79 yards. Just a really dominant day. And, you know, he hit De- Devin Asiasi, James White, and uh, Cam Newton even caught a touchdown pass. So he did it all. He was all over the place. He was amazing, and I'm, I'm impressed with Cam Newton. Uh, going into this offseason, I thought this would be his last year, that no one would sign him. And this last performance, does it change my mind? It doesn't. This still could be the last we see of Cam Newton in uh, regards to him being a starting quarterback. I, I definitely think he will sign somewhere as a backup. But uh, what a way to go out, right? And uh, our number one go to the week. And there's not too much more to say about this. I mean, it's the Jets' defense. But the Jets' defense has been playing pretty well the last couple weeks. So I would say this kind of came out of nowhere because Cam Newton wasn't playing good football against anybody. And he, here he is right now uh, being our number one go to the week. Now let's talk about the running back goats of the week. A lot of great running back performances this week, but there can only be three, and these were our three best. Coming at, in at number three, J.K. Dobbins, Baltimore Ravens, at the Cincinnati Bengals. He ran the ball only 13 times. 13 times, but 160 yards, two touchdowns, and like a 72-yard run. And just, man, had himself a day. I'm really proud of that just for the fact that I picked him for FanDuel. Really helped out in that regard. And J.K. Dobbins is just a stud. You know, you didn't see Mark Ingram very much towards the end of the year. J.K. Dobbins is why. I mean, uh, you were a little disappointed in him early in the year. It's kind of like Jonathan Taylor, where they both didn't start out strong and just finished with bang. The only disappointing thing with J.K. Dobbins is most fantasy weeks only lasted till week 16. So this was kind of a, a wasted performance fantasy football-wise. But, uh, again, if you had him for DraftKings or uh, FanDuel, then you were good to go. Number two, Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titans, running back at Houston Texans. He ran the ball 34 times, and he was going to get the ball regardless. You knew it was going to be a big day for him because they were trying to get him to 2,000 yards. And did he do it? Yes, he did. Ran the ball for 250 yards, had two touchdowns himself. Derrick Henry is just, he's a beast. He just People just bounce off of him. And uh, it's just fun to watch Derrick Henry run the ball. Houston Texans are a horrid run defense. This was just a matchup that you knew Derrick Henry was, wasn't going to be stopped. And he wasn't, so he's our number two. And you figure a performance like that, like who could out, you know, who could beat a performance like Derrick Henry's 
Well, it was Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts versus the Jaguars, who are equally as bad at stopping the run. He had 30 carries for 253 yards, two touchdowns, and he, I mean, early on in the game, you knew he was going to have a big, uh, big day just because he was getting, you know, 16 yards a pop, 14 yards. Like, it was just constant where he was getting big gains. Well, he had a lot of big gains, and he's our number one go to the week. So good for Jonathan Taylor because I'll be the first to admit I ragged on him all year. Didn't think he was very good. Didn't think he could hold on to the ball. Well, he didn't fumble very much this year. So he kind of proved me wrong in that regard. And, uh, you know, did he show up most of the year? You know, that's the thing. He probably, uh, if you drafted him, your team probably didn't make the playoffs or that you barely made the playoffs. But I'll tell you what, once the playoffs rolled around, he really produced and uh, more than made up for, you know, him being on your team. So good for him. And, again, number one GOAT of the week. Let's talk about the wide receiver GOATs of the week. This number three GOAT of the week at wide receiver I'm very proud of. He was uh, hurting the sheep. It was Sterling Shepard, New York Giants wide receiver against the Dallas Cowboys. He's really the only person that really did anything for the Giants offense. He got 10 targets, 8 catches for 112 yards, and the touchdown. He also had 2 rushes for 24 yards and a touchdown. Just a really great performance by Sterling Shepard. Uh, really, you know, since he came off the injured list and came back to the into the fold uh, on the Giants, has looked really good and has been getting a lot of volume. So uh, that was bound to pay off, and with a good matchup like this, it was good to see. And I think the one thing holding Sterling Shepard back was he was one of their only weapons, and they were playing a lot of tough defenses. So he finally got to eat, and he did. Number two wide receiver go to the week. This guy was just, he's been on a tear. Uh, Will Fuller was suspended. Randall Cobbs is out for the year. That left the door open for Brandon Cooks, and he took advantage of it. He had 16 targets, caught 11 of those for 166 yards and two touchdowns. Just unbelievable. Uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks was, you know, at the end of the year, just money for anyone that had him. He was really inconsistent all year long, so you're kind of worried about him. But, uh, again, once he was the only receiver left, Deshaun Watson just kept feeding him and feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And uh, it was a dominant performance for Week 17. And not to be outdone, the number one go to the week is Marvin Jones, the Detroit Lions wide receiver versus the Minnesota Vikings. He had 11 targets for 8 catches, 180 yards, 2 touchdowns. This was kind of a, a tricky play because no one was thinking of Marvin Jones before when they thought Matthew Stafford wasn't playing. He came into the fold once Ma- Matthew Stafford was cleared and you knew he was going to play. So you had to make a late pivot to put him in there. And if you did, it really paid off because he was the best wide receiver of Week 17. He was in a similar situation as Brandon Cooks, as there wasn't a lot to throw to. Uh, Kenny Galladay has been hurt for, man, most of the season. Uh, Danny Amendola hasn't been doing much. And, uh, well, uh, Quintez uh, Cepheus, uh, Wisconsin, uh, old Wisconsin receiver, he made an appearance. But it, it was a Marvin Jones show. Vikings defense is horrible. Marvin Jones took advantage of it. So good performance. Great to see. And, uh, Gives him some momentum for next year. Tight end, Goats of the Week. We have 
two of the three of the choices are making late appearances. We really haven't said their name all year, and this week they pop up on the list for the first time. Number three, Pharaoh Brown, tight end for the Houston Texans versus the Tennessee Titans. He was five targets, five catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he just had a really great performance. Really seemed like they were trusting him more than Jordan Aikens. And Jordan Aikens' role faded, and Pharaoh Brown's just started increasing. So, you know, he's going to be an interesting play next year. And uh, obviously it's going to depend on what's going on with the Texans. You know, they got to hire a new coach. They just hired a new GM. That was kind of surprising. Uh, Or not surprising if you've been paying attention. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a great performance. Came out of nowhere. And I don't know anyone that started him, but if you did, good for you. That was a great play. Number two, go to the week, Chris Herndon, New York Jets at the Patriots. Targeted nine times, had seven catches for 63 yards, scored a touchdown. He was the only Jets weapon that whole game. Like, he was just catching passes left and right. It's almost like Adam Gase was like, oh, man, I forgot I had this guy. Let's use him now that our season's over and it's the last game of the year. And they did. And it was one of those performances that you're hoping to see from Chris Herndon for the last two years. Finally happened. But, uh, again, it's one of those things where you're kind of kicking yourself where it's like, oh, yeah, now it happens when it's the end of the season. No one's, uh, you know, everyone left him for dead pretty much. And uh, here he goes having a top three performance. But number one, go to the week, Darren Waller at the Denver Broncos. 10 targets, 9 catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Darren Waller just doing Darren Waller things. He didn't even have a great matchup, but it doesn't matter. Darren Waller, you know, he he dominated. Raiders were feeding him the ball as well as they should have. And he pretty much solidified being, you know, a top top two tight end this year. And it's well-deserved. Uh, this isn't anything out of the ordinary. This isn't where you're kicking yourself because he's been performing all year. And uh, just a great all-around performance by Darren Waller. Yay! Well, let's talk about week 17. Kind of wrap a bow on it for the year. And uh, start talking about the playoffs and uh, next season. Really get into the games here more than the players. There was a You know, a lot of good performances, a lot of not-so-good performances, but it's Week 17, and again, this is the worst time to be playing. I I know in some point leagues, you still count this week, but when you have most of your good players sitting because they clinched a playoff berth or not playing the whole game, it's a, I don't know, it's a whole different animal than most weeks. But I will be honest, just uh, not having fantasy football implications this week, just watching some football. It's really nice, and it was great to just be able to watch teams and see them strive or fail to make the playoffs. And we'll start with the first game. Buccaneers beat the Falcons. That was to be expected. The Buccaneers just came out on all cylinders. I thought the Falcons would give them a game. The Falcons didn't give them a game. I picked the uh, Falcons to cover the spread. They didn't. The Buccaneers, you know, Tom Brady just uh, on fire, two touchdown passes to Godwin, Brown, uh, everybody, but uh, (laughs) Gronkowski, unfortunately. And the Buccaneers are going to be making the playoffs for the first time since 2005. 
And that's crazy to me because for some reason I just always assumed the Buccaneers made the playoffs more recently than that. Uh, I definitely liked watching their uh, their Super Bowl team, and they've always seemed like a team that was pretty decent. I know they fell downhill pretty fast after Gruden's Super Bowl, but I didn't think it was uh, so bad that they didn't make the playoffs since 2005. But here we are. They're back in it, and uh, you know we'll see how they do against the Washington football team. Should be a pretty good game. The next game is the Giants and the Cowboys. Giants eked past the Cowboys, and it didn't matter, because that's something else I'd like to talk about. The Giants won. Almost every team in that division 6-10, except for the Washington football team. They were able to win to go to 7-9, but it's how they won that is the problem. The Eagles had Jalen Hurts, and they get the ball late in the game, all they need is a long drive by Jalen Hurts to win this game against the Washington football team. And you're like, man, this is pretty dramatic. You know, the Eagles win, the Giants are in the playoffs. If they lose, Washington football team's in the playoffs. And then Doug Peterson did something unimaginable. He took out Jalen Hurts and put in Sudfeld. Now, I'm not saying that Sudfeld is not an NFL quarterback. He's not, by the way. <laughs> but... What I mean, what screams at you more that I'm trying to throw this game and get better draft position, or I just don't like the Giants and don't want them to make the playoffs than this move right there? It's pretty much a slap in the face. Now, I'm not saying anyone in the NFC East deserved to go to the playoffs because none of them did. So I'm not sitting here on you know on the sympathy train for the Giants at all on this. But at the same time, I mean that was the integrity of that game was just ruined right on the spot. You knew Sudfeld wasn't going to drive the team to win. Everyone in the stadium knew that Sudfeld wasn't going to drive the team to win. And even players on the Eagles are speaking out now saying, yeah, we don't know why they did that. Uh, I don't know why they, they they would pull Jalen Hurts. I mean, are you trying to upset Jalen Hurts? Because he's your, potentially your star quarterback after the season, uh, you know, with the rumors of uh, Wentz being traded. And you're going to be like, sorry, man, we don't trust you to take over the game. We're going to put our back up and try to get him to win the game. Like, what kind of... Uh, I don't know what kind of precedence does that set for your star quarterback that you're trying to build up. I just think overall, everywhere around it, it, it was a bad uh, look for the Eagles. And people are trying to compare it like, well, people sat star players and you know did this and that. And well, most of those injuries, <laughs> or it was because people were injured or actually people already clinched playoff spots. So if you're going to the playoffs, yeah, you want all your your horses to be available for the playoffs. The Eagles, they're not going to the playoffs. They don't have any horses to save. It's a completely different situation. You can't compare the two. It's not the same. The whole, you know, the coach has the right to manage his team any way he wants. Yeah, but you also have to not uh, ruin the integrity of the game by doing it. And you have a chance to win the game, and it's almost like he's blatantly trying not to win the game. Now, if Sudfeld was in there previous to that and there's a chance to win the game and he was in there and Hurts didn't play, great. But it's like you purposely took Jalen Hurts out to not win the game, and that's where I have the problem with it. So regardless, uh, Giants win. It was a good way to close, uh, close out the season for them. The Washington football team wins because the Eagles didn't want to win, and uh, that's the NFC East. It pretty much uh, – that's – it actually ended perfectly for the NFC East because that uh, crap show of a division, uh, 
with the what happened at the end for the division winner to be crowned was uh, right on point. The Patriots, man, Cam Newton. We talked about his game, or we will be talking about his game. He just destroyed the Jets. Jets looked like they were building some momentum and might give the Patriots a game. 28-14, Patriots won, won that, and Patriots made it to 7-9. and nine. And Jets now have the second pick in the NFL draft. Um, but the Patriots, first time in forever that we can't remember, or we don't remember them getting at least, you know, or having a winning record and definitely not making the playoffs. It seems like they've dominated the AFC East for centuries. And, uh, this is, yeah, this is the first time. So I think a lot of people are excited just because they're like, man, this is great. I don't have to watch the Patriots in the playoffs anymore. I can root for other teams or root against other teams. And that's why I think this playoffs will be fun. Uh, and thank, you know, thanks, thank the Patriots for that, for not making it. The uh, Vikings eked past the Lions. I thought the Vikings would blow them out. They didn't. Lions hung in there. Uh, I also made that prediction when I thought Matthew Stafford wasn't playing. Matthew Stafford ended up playing, caused you know a really great game for Marvin Jones. Viking side of the ball, Kirk Cousins rushed for a touchdown. He had an amazing game. Due to everybody but uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. But Justin Jefferson actually came out with the most receiving yards for a rookie in the Super Bowl era. He had 1,400 yards. Great season by Justin Jefferson. And I liked him in college. Just was worried about his fit with the Vikings. And... Uh, uh, that shouldn't have mattered because he uh, he was one of the, he was the top rookie uh, wide receiver yards wise and uh, I think he's a star in the making. The Steelers and Browns game this was kind of crazy. It's like it looked like the Browns were gonna win and uh, Mason Rudolph on you know some fourth down passes threw one to Chase Claypool uh, had another fourth down play that he made as well. But regardless, he was able to bring the uh, Steelers almost to a tie. They didn't make the two-point conversion. Steelers onside kicked it. It looked like they might have recovered the onside kick, uh, but they didn't. And then they still had a chance to, uh, you know, if the Browns got the first down, they would have won. And the, I think it was, what, second, third down or whatever, the the Browns were able to do it on a Baker Mayfield sweep uh, to secure the victory. Good for the Browns, but their consolation prize of making the playoffs is just facing the Steelers again. Uh, at Pittsburgh this time, and, you know, with the COVID situation that they have, you're not sure who's going to be available to even play, and on top of that, all the Steelers' star players are going to be back, because Roethlisberger didn't play, Cam Hayward didn't play, uh, TJ Watt didn't play, so a, a lot of really good players, Marquise Pouncey didn't play, so a lot of good players for the Steelers didn't play, and they're, they're going to be back for this one. So really Cleveland just eked by with, you know, against the Steelers' backups. And that doesn't give me a lot of confidence for a team going into the playoffs. And the Ravens dominated the Bengals. J.K. Dobbins had a great game. Uh, Bengals didn't really do anything. And then the Ravens needed to win this game, though, to make the playoffs. And they did. And the loser in the AFC playoff battle has to be the Dolphins. You know, they close out the season 10-6, and six, which in most seasons you're like, man, that's a playoff season for sure. 10-6 uh, usually gets you there, and especially with seven teams. You, you definitely don't think you, you, you'll miss the playoffs being 10-6. and six. 
But the Dolphins did. They got destroyed by the Bills. The Bills' defense played great. Got a defensive touchdown. Um, Tua didn't look like the answer on this day. And that loss brings them out of the playoffs. They're the last team uh, out, eliminated, not making it. And, I mean, you still got to be pretty happy if you're a Dolphins fan because you came from almost having a, the top pick in the draft to being uh, one game away from the playoffs. So I think you'll take that. And obviously the consolation of having the Houston Texans draft pick, which is the third overall pick, that's just a highway robbery. So Dolphins are in a good spot for the future. Seahawks, they beat the 49ers barely. They didn't look good. Seahawks actually haven't looked very good at the end of the season. You know, there's teams that come into playoffs looking strong. Seahawks are not one of them. Tyler Lockett had an amazing day where he had two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which, uh, yeah, looked good. But uh, DK Metcalf just had the most receiving yards in a season in Seattle Seahawks history at uh, 1,303 yards, which was great. DK Metcalf is a beast. But I, I think with the the Seahawks wide receivers all year, it's been kind of feast or famine. One will do great, the other one won't. It's trying to pick the one that will. It's, it's a tough task. And uh, I'm worried about the Seahawks going into the postseason with just how, I don't know, just how bad they've looked. Cardinals and the Rams, I mean, Rams won this game, and I don't know how. John Wolford was able to pull out the victory. I mean, I hope that Kyler Murray got hurt, and uh, they had, what's his name, Schleschman or the quarterback from South Dakota come in and uh, get some get some reps. Um Streveler, but uh, overall, you know, Kyler Murray played enough of this game that the Cardinals should have won, and the fact that they didn't was, yeah, it's it was. If you're a Cardinals fan, you're kind of defeated because they finished the season eight and eight, and it's like, who finishes the season eight and eight with that type of talent? Cardinals are too good and talented to finish the season eight and eight. And losing a game with a, a team's backup quarterback. But that's what they did. So they allowed the Bears to sneak into that playoff spot. And it was just disappointing because the Rams were one of the teams that early on in the season looked like they were a shoe in to make the playoffs. Their offense was exciting. And then they just kind of fell off a cliff and weren't producing to their capabilities. Colts beat the Jaguars. I mean, Jonathan Taylor rushed for 253 yards, which is franchise record. And that's significant because the Colts have been around for a while. And the Jaguars, just they're a horrible team. They're a horrible defense. This game was surprising in the fact that you thought maybe the Colts would win by more. But then, you know, Jaguars, towards the end, I think the Colts kind of just eased up and tried to finish the, the game without injuring anybody. Texans and Titans, man, that was a crazy game. That was actually, you know, we predicted a high-scoring game that was going to be a, a lot of action and that's the way it kind of happened titans won by a field goal texans were, were able to hang in there which was great to see you love to see the uh the, the deshaun watson and his offense go to work even with uh you know a lot of backups but brandon cooks man just dominated two touchdowns and uh, derrick henry on the other end dominating 250 yards and two touchdowns it was just dominant performances on both sides of the ball. And Titans end up winning this game, which they needed to, to make the playoffs. 
but I'm going to say it right here. The, the Texans look like they're in tur- tur- uh, turmoil. I don't think they are. I think that they're going to uh, – they need some help on their defense. They need to get some guys back on their defense. But I think they'd be a solid team. I mean, when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, you have the makings of an explosive offense. And they're, Texans, Texans are a team I'm going to watch next year and expect pretty solid things from them. And and I don't care who the coach is at this point or the GM. Um, Raiders eked by the Broncos at the end. They went for two and they got it. So the Raiders finished at 8-8. Eight and eight. The Broncos finished at 5-11. That was a pretty good game. Broncos disappointing, but, you know, I, I think they're going to go another year trying to uh, work with Drew Locke and the weapons around them. They were a really young squad, and they had a lot of injuries as well, so that kind of played into it. So I think you get a healthy Broncos team back, and uh, you'll see some improvement from them. I think the big thing, though, is Von Miller. Is he going to be back? You know, there's uh, rumors that they might cut him because of his salary. And if that happens, man, that's, you know, he's an icon for the Broncos. But uh, that's the way the business works sometimes. Chargers and Chiefs don't need to go into that one. Justin Herbert did amazing, but it was against a bunch of Chiefs backups. And so the Chiefs losing that one's not a big deal. Bears-Packers, that one was a big deal because, you know, the Bears lost, and if the Cardinals won, they would have been in in the playoffs. But instead, the Bears were the better 8-8 team, and uh, they, you know, they look like the Bears. I mean, Packers are a good team. Packers played great. The Bears didn't play great. And I'm kind of worried about this Bears defense going into the playoffs because that was supposed to be their strong point. Their offense definitely isn't still. And uh, that's going to be that's going to be bad news. And the uh, the Bears are going to be playing. Uh, who are they playing? Playing the Saints? Yeah, I don't like that matchup at all for them if they're playing the Saints. So uh, I like the resurgence of David Montgomery. I'm David or Darnell Mooney got hurt in this one though, so he might not be available for the playoffs. And I don't know against the Saints defense. You know, if the Bears defense is playing the way they have been, that's going to be a tough matchup for the uh, the Saints or sorry the Bears to to win at, uh, win in that playoff game. And then the last uh, couple games, the Saints and the Panthers, the. I thought the Panthers would cover and do play a little bit better. They didn't. The Saints dominated them. They deserved the victory. The Ty Montgomery rushing for 100 yards was nice to see. I wish he would have scored a touchdown, but he didn't. And then, uh, you know, Taysom Hill got the, the rushing touchdown. It was just a dominating performance by the Saints and especially like a great tune-up for the playoffs. I really like the Saints' chances of going to the Super Bowl from the NFC uh, I really think it's going to go down to the Packers and the Saints. Uh, not really hard to predict. Like I'm making grand uh, uh, predictions with this one since they're the number one and two seeds in this uh, tournament. But uh, yeah, the Saints are one of the few teams that have the offense and defense to do it, and you gotta like that. And that about does it. I mean, we already talked about the Eagles game, so I don't want to get too much into that. But that's the uh, recap for the week. And uh, yeah, let's get right into the ghosts. And the goats, starting off with the goats.
Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Now it's our QB Ghosts of the Week. These are our quarterbacks that we had a little bit of promise for and then just didn't deliver for Week 17. Number three on that list is Andy Dalton, Dallas Cowboys quarterback at the New York Giants. He was 29 of 47 for 243 yards, zero touchdowns, threw a pick, and then rushed the ball seven times for 48 yards. And, you know, Andy Dalton's been playing pretty well for the Cowboys. Giants do well against the quarterback position, and that matchup just kind of won out for the New York Giants defense. The Giants ended up winning, and all they needed was a Sunday night miracle that uh, ended up not happening. But regardless, uh, Andy Dalton... Uh, you know, might get a chance this offseason to get a starting gig somewhere. More than likely, he's going to be a you know a backup for uh, what you know probably for the Cowboys again, but uh, if not for another team. And uh, yeah, just wasn't the performance that you're hoping for from uh, with the weapons that he had. Number two ghost of the week is Mitchell Trubisky, Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. This wasn't too unexpected. The, the Packers do an okay job defending the pass. You know, Jared Alexander is a great cornerback. And when he's on Allen Robinson, the Bears didn't have much else. Uh, 33 for 42 for 252 yards, zero touchdowns. He did throw a pick, and he rushed the ball four times for 22 yards. So uh, Mitchell Trubisky, it, it, you know, he, he's... Had a, a strong couple weeks. He even had some weeks where I felt confident playing him. This was not one of them, and it, it just shows that uh, Mitchell Trubisky is really matchup dependent to uh, to to really be relevant for fantasy football purposes. Then our number one ghost of the week. He was even benched. Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina Panthers versus the New Orleans Saints. He was 13 for 23 for 176 yards through two interceptions, and. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know what to say. He started off really strong, looked like he was going to be the the guy for the Panthers, at least for a little bit. And now you're looking at the the Panthers and wondering if maybe Bridgewater even is the guy uh, to be leading this team next year. Uh, I I like him. I think you still stick with him. I I think you put more talent around him. He can be a great uh, game manager type quarterback that will win you games, but... Uh, in this one, just a brutal performance. Really leaves a bad taste in your mouth for the offseason about your quarterback play if you're a Panther fan. And he definitely deserves our number one ghost of the week. All right. All right, running back ghost of the week. This is something that we need to discuss a little bit. The number three ghost of the week for running backs is Kenyon Drake, Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. He ran the ball 10 times for 36 yards, caught all three of his targets for 15 yards. And for Kenyon Drake, who is the bell cow back for the Cardinals, he started off the season really slow, like painfully slow, where it cost a lot of teams, you know, playoff positions. And then he started picking it up and started looking like the Kenyon Drake that you thought he was going to be for the Cardinals, and then just kind of sputtered out at the end. And so you're wondering, is Kenyon Drake in every down bell cow type back? I'm not sure that he is. I think the Cardinals kind of maybe realize it this year, and we don't see the uh, 
you know, they, they bring in other running backs or maybe increase Chase Edmonds' role next year, regardless of what they do. Uh, you know, maybe they do give Kenyon Drake another chance for next year and uh, determine that he's the guy. But, you know, he's a free agent, so uh, are they going to sign him or is he going to go somewhere else? Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Having said that, uh, you just uh, Rams are a great rush defense, so you don't want to go overboard with it. You didn't like that matchup regardless, but I, I guess you wanted to leave that running back situation with a little better taste in your mouth. And uh, now we won't know what to think of it going into the offseason. So congratulations, Kenyon Drake. You're number three ghost of the week. Number two ghost of the week is Kareem Hunt, the Cleveland Browns running back versus Steelers. He was 10 for 37. He had one catch for four yards. And that was the big disappointing thing, I think, with Kareem Hunt. I mean, he was the receiving back out of the backfield. Nick Chubb doesn't really catch the ball. Kareem Hunt does. And he was just non-existent. Steelers did a good job of bottling him up. And it really makes you appreciate Nick Chubb. Because Kareem Hunt's not a bad running back. And he just hasn't been effective since Nick Chubb came back from injury. And Nick Chubb's just been dominating. So it's night and day between the two right now. And Nick Chubb's definitely the back. Kareem Hunt's just a shell of himself right now. And I'm I'm not liking what I'm seeing. And he ended the season well, I should say the fantasy football season, with a big dud. And then our number one ghost of the week, I had to put him here because I kind of built him up a little bit, Malcolm Brown running back for the Rams. I said he's a start. I liked him a lot. And then a funny thing happened, and that funny thing was Cam Akers played. Uh, It was looking like Cam Akers, even if he did play, was only going to get a couple carries that he was really injured. And then here it is, Kyle Shanahan working his his uh, trickery again by being like, oh no, Cam Akers is fine. We'll use him most of the game. Malcolm Brown's change of pace guy. Well, he was change of pace to getting three carries for 20 yards, caught one catch, the only one he was targeted for, for minus two. So 18 yards total for the day on a guy that you were pretty happy about thinking he was going to get a lot of volume. That volume never came. So thanks, Kyle Shanahan. You just put Malcolm Brown as the number one ghost of the week. But again, at least it was week 17, and hopefully you didn't play him in any of like your uh, DFS uh, leagues or you know FanDuel or DraftKings or, or, or those type of things. So uh, that's about it. Here's our wide receiver ghost of the week, and it's some pretty big names, some names that you – we're probably counting on to to do something, and it didn't happen. The number three is Robert Woods, old Bobby Trees, Los Angeles Rams wide receiver versus the Arizona Cardinals. Seven targets for four catches, 36 yards. And he was a guy that we even kind of built up saying, well, someone has to do something on the Rams, so Bobby Trees is probably the best bet. Cooper Cup's coming back from COVID. Who knows if he's going to play? And... Uh, wasn't to be. There was no one that was doing well on the Rams. Uh, John Wolford came in and played good enough to win, but uh, didn't really get the passing game going too well. Uh, I would say if anybody maybe benefited, it would be Tyler Higby. Uh, but yeah, not a good not a good day for Robert Woods. Number two ghost of the week, 
Arizona Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins at the Los Angeles Rams. And this one was, you know, I figured Hopkins would have a big game just because of who he was and the targets he'd get. He was against Jalen Ramsey a lot of the game, so you knew Jalen Ramsey was a great cornerback that might limit him. Well, it was 10 targets, 4 catches for 35 yards. So DeAndre Hopkins didn't really end the season, much like the rest of the Arizona Cardinals offense, on a real high note. And uh, that collapse that the Cardinals had where they looked like they were a a shoe-in to make the playoffs, now they're on the outside looking in. And then number one is old DK Metcalf, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver at the San Francisco 49ers. He's targeted nine times, nine times, which is significant, but he only had three catches for 21 yards. And DK Metcalf is one of those guys where, you know, we've been building him up. He's had some really big games, but then also has had a lot of duds. So, uh, again, he ends the season with a bad taste in your mouth in regards to his production. It, uh, you know, the 49ers were kind of a depleted uh, defense and actually a depleted team overall. But they still kind of held those uh, DK Metcalf in check. And it was actually Tyler Lockett who had two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter to uh, kind of get the Seahawks going a little bit. It just, uh, yeah, it's it's feast or famine for the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. And it definitely ended up that way in Week 17. The tight end ghosts of the week. We have some worthy candidates. And we'll just get right into it. Number three. Ghost of the Week, Zach Ertz, Philadelphia Eagles, tight end, had six targets, only had three catches for 16 yards. Uh, you, th- you thought maybe Zach Ertz might have a better game. I mean, the Washington football team does a good job of defending the tight end, but uh, Dallas Goddard was out, so you thought that would prop up Zach Ertz a little bit, but nothing's propping up Zach Ertz. I mean, he just had a really bad year all the way around, and he ended it. Uh, like uh, it was fitting, I guess, the way he ended it. And that will also be the case for our number one. But let's move to number two, who is Janu Smith. Janu is the Tennessee Titans tight end. He only had two targets, caught one of them for eight yards. Just horrible, horrible performance. Uh, I I have him as number two. He could have easily been number one. But Janu Smith has been pretty inconsistent for the last, like, seven weeks. And his role has diminished more and more. And, you know, they started running the ball more with Derrick Henry, started going to Corey Davis a little bit more. It's really kind of phased out uh, Janu, and especially using different tight ends. You know, Anthony Ferkser, I think, got more targets than Janu in this one. So, uh, he, you know, he scored a touchdown last week, so he thought this might be a sign of things to come for this Houston matchup. And it was a good matchup against Houston. Houston wasn't good at defending anybody. And it just didn't work out. Which leads us to our number one. It's been a disappointment all year. He's a pro bowler, nonetheless, even though he's been disappointing for fantasy football. It's Evan Ingram, New York Giants, tight end versus the Dallas Cowboys. Targeted four times, had two catches for 17 yards. And this is the thing with Evan Ingram is he's had good matchup after good matchup. I think he's maybe come through in one of those matchups. It just... Uh, pretty blah performance from him all year he was a high draft pick at tight end where you thought you were set for the rest of the year having him as your tight end and he really didn't do anything so it's uh you know just like Zach Ertz fitting to end the season in this uh as one of our ghosts and uh, you know NFC East 
outside maybe Logan Thomas was the best tight end in the NFC East. Uh, and that's not saying much because overall the inconsistency there, they just all played pretty bad. But uh, that's life as a tight end, I guess, especially this year. And uh, Evan Ingram and Zach Ertz really let a lot of fantasy owners down this year. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview Starting now. First game on the playoff slate is the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. So let's talk about it. Bills are favored by six and a half points. I'm taking the Colts on this one. I, I think the Bills win, but I don't think they win by more than, uh, you know, by a touchdown or more. I, I think it's going to be a pretty close game within, you know, four to five points. And the over-under is 51.5. And I'm taking the over. And I'm taking the over just because both these defenses have the potential to be dominant. And Colts, you know, they started the year that way, and then they've just kind of faded as the season's gone along, giving up quite a bit of passing yards to a lot of different teams. Steelers, you know, that second half where they just imploded. And, uh, you know, even the Jaguars scoring uh, a couple times late. I just, uh, I'm expecting more from the Colts defense than what they've been providing. And then the Bills, they've, they have the talent to be a top five defense, and they weren't. They, they were still, you know, top half defense, but they have the talent to be a lot better than what they've been playing like. So I, I just think this is going to be a game where there's going to be a lot more points. So I'm starting Phillip Rivers, and I'm starting Trey Burton and Zach Paschal. I'm not starting T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman Jr. And the reason for that is T.Y. Hilton's going up against Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Michael Pittman's just been disappointing. He's, he's getting targets, but he's just not getting yards. And he's not catching a lot of those targets. I don't know. They just don't have good chemistry with Rivers and Michael Pittman yet. Um, Zach Paschal, though. Love Zach Paschal. I think you can play him. He's been picking it up. He's been a reliable target for Rivers. They're building a good rapport. So I like him in this one. And then Trey Burton. The Bills don't defend the tight end very well. So I think Trey Burton can be a really good play here. And really, you know, I think he scores a touchdown. He might score a couple touchdowns in this one uh, to try to keep up with this Bills offense. So on the Bills side of the ball, Josh Allen you're starting just because he's a dual-threat quarterback that can do both. So you want uh, you want those points. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Gabriel Davis are all really good plays here. And then you're, you're benching Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and, and Dawson Knox. And actually Cole Beasley, too, because Cole Beasley is injured. He might be back for this game. It's looking like he, he might be back for this game. But I, I think, you know, with John Brown on the outside, he's going to take targets away from Beasley. And then Gabriel Davis is just, even with everybody, he's been steadily getting targets. And they haven't went away with, with John Brown coming back. So uh, he's, he's a start for me. 
I, I think all these Bills receivers are starts. Again, outside of uh, Cole Beasley. And then Josh Allen's really their running back. Singletary doesn't run the ball much. Moss doesn't either. And the Colts are good at stopping the run. If they, can, if they do anything, they can stop the run. It's just uh, they've been really leaking on their pass defense. So uh, that's the game. And we'll see how it unfolds. But uh, it should be a good one. And I think this is a good way to start out the wild card weekend. The next Saturday game is the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. And this was a game that if you told me it was going to be an opening round playoff game, I would have been really giddy for beginning of the season. But uh, Jared Goff is questionable, and we'll see if he plays. I'm not going to predict Jared Goff. This one's kind of up in the air for me. If Jared Goff doesn't play, I'm definitely taking the Seahawks. Seahawks are only favored by three and a half points. So I'm taking the Seahawks now before that uh, line increases when you know it's announced that John Wolford plays. And I'm not saying that he does. Like I said, this one's just too hard to predict, and uh, I'm going with the fact that Jared Goff's questionable. The over-under is 42.5, so I'm taking the under on this one as well, as I think you know, even with John Wolford playing, both teams are going to be kind of having issues moving the ball and, and scoring a lot of points. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. This is going to be a real defensive battle. Rams have one of the top defenses in the NFL, Seattle Seahawks, although – you know, they started the season giving up a ton of yards through the air. They've really kind of cleaned that up and have been a top-notch defense. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely taking the Seattle Seahawks in this one. So I'm, But I'm starting Cam Akers, and that's about it for the Rams, just because I think he'll get a lot of volume, and they'll try to mix it up a little bit. Uh, they're going to try to work, especially if John Wolford plays, they'll try to play off that play action to the you know Bobby Trees and Cooper Cup but I don't think Bobby Trees or Cooper Cup's going to get enough uh, volume in this one to be effective and even if they score I mean I still think it's going to be a low scoring game fantasy football wise for these two Tyler Higby you know maybe I like him they they definitely used the tight ends last week with Wolford so Higby could be a good play here outside of that though I'd be real nervous about starting any Rams and uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, there's actually not anyone I'd start for the Seahawks either with this Rams defense. Like I said, I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game. And, uh, I mean, I would start DK Metcalf. You know, Tyler Lockett had the big game last week. I think they tried to clean that up by focusing on Lockett a little bit more. And then that's going to leave DK Metcalf available to uh, pick up the slack. Because it's always one or the other, and you got to pick the right one. This time I'm picking Metcalf. Because uh, I picked Metcalf last time, actually, and it was Lockett. So I don't want to go to Lockett and then it'd be Metcalf. So I'm sticking to my guns and going with Metcalf. And then, you know, tight ends, I'm sitting them, all three of them, Olsen, Disley, Hollister. And Russell Wilson, you know, you think you'd want to play him in a playoff matchup of this magnitude, but I I think there's better quarterback options. And and I'm saying this not like a fantasy football wise. I'm saying this like FanDuel DraftKings wise. So I'm a little pickier about who I start and who I wouldn't based off of, you know, uh, this this list because y- you only want one or two of these guys and um you know, I'm just going by what the the stats say on the matchups and Russell Wilson does not have a top matchup on this one. This next game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Washington football team. 
I know it's crazy to think about that the Washington football team is going to host a playoff game, but somebody has to do it in that division, and they definitely were the best team out of the four. The Buccaneers are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. That's a lot of points. And I know the Buccaneers have scored a lot of points the last couple weeks, but they didn't play the Washington football team defense. I really like this Washington football team defense. And Alex Smith is questionable, but I think he, you know, I couldn't predict the Jared Goff one. I can predict this one. I think Alex Smith plays, although I predicted that last time and he didn't play. But uh, this is a playoff game. When Alex Smith plays, he's such a great game manager that I think he keeps this a low-scoring game. The Washington football team can have the ball a lot. Alex Smith is a winning quarterback. I, I think he keeps it close, you know, with uh, th- th- that defense being the strength. So I'm taking the Washington football team and getting the 8.5 points, and I'm taking the under. It's 45-point over-under. doesn't seem like a lot, especially with the way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers score, so I- I'm sure everyone's going to shoot at the over on this one. But I'm going with the under on it. I just really think this is going to be a defensive battle. It's going to be like the Rams-Seahawks game almost, except for obviously uh, Tom Brady is going to be able to score a little bit more than uh, you know uh, Russell Wilson in this one. So you're starting. I'm actually have I have all quarterbacks on the bench. So Alex Smith, uh, uh, Taylor Heineke, Tom Brady. Uh, because if Smith doesn't play, it's going to be Heineke. Uh, if it, and even if he does play, you might see a little bit of Heineke, so that doesn't make me confident that you should be playing any of these guys. And then Tom Brady, I mean, I, you would think you would start him, but again, this is the playoffs, and you only have a couple options. And I don't think Tom Brady is a top option this week. Uh, I really like this matchup for the Washington football team. They uh, are able to defend what the Buccaneers' strengths are, and so, I, like I said, it's going to create a close game. Um, so I'm starting J.D. McKissick. The reason why I'm starting J.D. McKissick is the Buccaneers do a great job against the running backs. So I'm benching Antonio Gibson because they can stop the run, but they don't stop the pass very well against the the opposing running back. And J.D. McKissick's their receiving running back, so this could be a really big game for him. So I'm playing him in this matchup, and I'm playing him with confidence, especially with Alex Smith, who likes to use J.D. McKissick. I mean, he had like 10 targets last week. Uh, He didn't do very well, but yardage-wise, but McKissick's been pretty solid before, you know, the the last week of the uh, the season. Terry McLaurin, Cam Sims, I'm starting both of them. You know, I keep going to that Cam Sims well and keep getting burned, but here's the thing, like, he keeps getting open downfield and they're just not connecting. So there's going to be a week where they connect on this and he's going to be a really good play. And I'm I'm going to keep riding that and have hope that that happens, especially, like I said, with the DraftKings or FanDuel. You might have some big-name players, and you're going to need a cheap option. Yeah. Cam, Cam Sims is a good option. And, uh, you know, kind of a shot in the dark where you're like, well, he's a cheap option. He's going to get some volume. Let me use him. And then if he has a big game, you know, you're going to have someone that not a lot of people are going to, are going to play. Logan Thomas is a really good play here. Buccaneers don't defend the tight end position very well. And then you're benching everyone else. Steven Sims and Antonio Gibson, uh, I think they're going to not have the the games that you would want. Um, For the Buccaneers, I'm starting Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown just because they're all-stars, they're amazing, and it's a bad matchup for them. But, I mean, 
you can't defend both of those guys. You, you got to focus on one, and the other one's going to eat. So uh, you don't know which one that's going to be. But Mike Evans, I'm benching him just because of the injury. Not sure if he's playing. Um, that makes me nervous. Even if he does play, you know, if he tweaks that or re-injures that. So he's on my bench, along with Scotty Miller and Rob Gronkowski. And I, I don't really like any of those guys. And the Washington football team defends the tight end position pretty well. Um, and Ronald Jones in this one. Football team, they have that defensive line is, is amazing. I think they're the best defensive line in football right now. And they can stop the run. So they're, uh, Ronald Jones is on my bench. And this is going to be a game where uh, you're going to be like, oh, the Buccaneers are going to blow the Washington football team out. And although they will probably win, I think this is going to be a low-scoring defensive struggle. Now, this first game on the Sunday morning slate is a game that I'm probably – it's probably the most exciting game that I am I want to watch on, you know, the whole weekend of NFL action. It's the – Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. The Baltimore Ravens are favored by three points. And I actually like that. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. The Mostly due to the Tennessee Titans defense. I don't like the Titans defense. I like the Ravens defense a little bit more. Although I, I think the Ravens defense can play better at times. The over-under is 55 points. And I'm taking the over. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, not as high scoring as the uh, Titans Texans game last week, but it's it's going to be, you know, a team's going to get in the 30s. I think the Ravens score like 35 to like 24 or something like that, uh, mostly because I think the Ravens will be able to score at will, and the Titans will be able to score just not as readily as the Ravens. So uh, it'll be a fun game to see. You're starting for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, running and passing. I think he has a big game. I think he could actually be one of the top quarterbacks of the week. So you should start him in all formats. FanDuel, DraftKings, put him in there. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. I like both of these running backs. And so you're like, well, I can't put both of them in there. I think you can. I think both of these guys are going to have really big rushing days against the Titans. Uh, Obviously, one has more yards. The other one might have more touchdowns. Obviously, like J.K. Dobbins because he scores the more of the touchdowns, but you know Gus Edwards can break a long one here. It, it, I wouldn't put it past him. Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed, Mark Andrews. I like all of them. I really like Willie Sneed here because last time they played, Sneed had seven targets at the slot position, and that's kind of a point of weakness for the Titans. So Willie Sneed could be a sneaky play here where he can get you some points. So it's something to think about. And obviously Mark Andrews, we don't need to talk about it. He just has a good matchup. Lamar Jackson likes to throw to him. And I, I definitely think Mark Andrews had a disappointing season, but he's still one of the top tight ends. So um, I'm benching Miles Boykins just because, you know, he'll get that, like, 14-yard touchdown pass, 20-yard touchdown pass, and then that's it. He, he gets, like, one, two targets a game. That's not enough for him to be relevant. So he's on my he would be on the, well, sh- not bench because season's over, but I wouldn't be thinking about Miles Boykin. Uh, not thinking about Johnny Smith, just because Ravens do all right against the tight end, but there's an, uh, other options with Ferkser and things, and I don't want to mess with that uh, 
position for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, I don't think he has a great game. I think this is one where he's kind of bottled up running the ball. And uh, I don't think A.J. Brown or Corey Davis are going to be able to get open very, you know, consistently. So that's going to hurt his numbers. And that's going to hurt Corey Davis and A.J. Brown's numbers as well. And we, we don't know if A.J. Brown's playing. I think he does play. Like It's looking like he's going to play. But uh, definitely the injury is something to think about. It makes me kind of nervous to play him this week. Um, starting Derrick Henry, of course. Actually, Derrick Henry is my only star uh, asterisk start. You need to play him. The Ravens do decent against the running back position, but again, it doesn't matter with Derrick Henry. They're going to give him a lot of volume, and he's going to have a good game. So uh, there it is. Like I said, it's a high-scoring game. It should be a lot of fun, and uh, it, it's almost like going to be a letdown when you watch the other games after watching this one. This next game on the Sunday slate is the Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are favored by nine and a half points. That's just a ton of points. I mean, nine and a half. I, I'm, and here's the deal. I think this is going to be another low-scoring game. I know I'm going to that well a lot where, like, man, this is going to be low-scoring. But it's the playoffs, and teams have pretty decent defenses. And in and, and this one, I think the Bears' defense shows up. I mean, they've been... St- uh, streaky lately haven't been as dominant as what you'd like you know you saw the Packers score 30 something points on them the, the Saints were easily capable of doing the same but I don't think it happens I, I'm taking the Bears that you know for the Saints to win by 10 points against the Bears that's just a lot of points you know in the NFL game give me that especially in the playoffs and uh, I'll be happy it's a 47 over and under I'm taking the under on this I don't think they'll score 47 points and it's going to be one of those games where, you know, the Saints win, but uh, the Bears keep it respectable, and mostly because of that defense, because it won't be because of Mitchell Trubisky, because I have him on my bench. I have David Montgomery on my bench. Saints are the number one rushing defense in the NFL, and that continues. They're, David Montgomery is going to be bottled up. Uh, Anthony Miller, we don't need to talk about. He's always a non-play. And uh, Cole Komet, he's been injured. You know, he's supposed to be back, but uh, he's not scoring the touchdowns anyway. It's Jimmy Graham, so I'm not taking the risk on Komet. I'm, I, if I'm going to play anyone, it's going to be Jimmy Graham. I think he's the better play here. Uh, and actually, I think he's someone you can uh, start for cheap and might pay off for you. So think about Jimmy Graham. And then Allen Robinson, of course. Saints give up some passing yards. Allen Robinson's a beast. Mitchell Trubisky gives him a lot of you know a lot of play doesn't always connect with them he's uh, not the most accurate quarterback but uh, Allen Robinson uh, definitely gets a lot of volume and then Darnell Mooney I have him on here he's hurt as well it's questionable on if he plays so if he plays I like him I think he can be a good play here especially if they focus on Robinson he can get you know more than uh, he usually does target wise but obviously if he doesn't play I don't really like anyone else to take his place I mean I think it's really uh, Robinson and Mooney. Mooney doesn't play. It's all Robinson. And uh, Mitchell Trubisky isn't good at going to other reads. So I, I don't think it opens up targets for anyone else. Um, for the Saints, Drew Brees, you're starting him. Uh, Alvin Kamara is one of the top plays. Just receiving running. I, I get the Bears are a, a great defense, but 
I, I do. I like Alvin Kamara in this one, and I, I think you need to, to to start him in this game. Um, he, he's one of those guys where you know you probably could start him or Derrick Henry. Which one do you play? It's kind of a tough choice because eh, I, I'd probably they're both really good rush defenses. But I'd probably go with Kamara because Kamara gets the passing volume, and that you know that's important, and that gives you extra points, especially with those PPR points. So. That's why I like Kamara a little bit better than uh, Derrick Henry on this wild card rounds, and he's a little bit cheaper too, so you can you know get a, a, another player that's a, a little more expensive at your other positions. Jared Cook, I like him a lot. I actually think Jared Cook's one of the top tight end plays. The, the Bears are horrible at defending the tight end, and uh, Jared Cook is a reliable target for Drew Brees. But everyone else, like Emmanuel Sanders. I think you can start Emmanuel Sanders because he's the main receiver. He, he doesn't always show up, though, so you can definitely be prepared to be disappointed if you do play him. But uh, there's really not a lot of options. Michael Thomas is on IR. Uh, Tyquan Smith is on IR. And so that's really going to lead. That second receiver is going to be, what, Callaway, Carr, um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, uh, there's just a lot of other guys, I guess, and you're not going to play one, any of those guys just you know, on a dart throw hoping that they score and, and are productive. So uh, Emmanuel Sanders is the only guy that I'd feel confident with that's going to get a steady volume. So that uh, Latavius Murray is the same. Like, he's just going to be rushing the ball. Bears are great at stopping the run. So I don't think this is a Latavius Murray week where you can play him and, and feel good about what his production is going to be. So pick the Bears, take the under, and uh, thank me later. The final game of the playoff weekend is going to be the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, there's a lot of COVID going around the Cleveland facilities. just always seems to happen to... Uh, you know the teams that are playing Pittsburgh the Steelers are favored by six and I'm taking Pittsburgh I think this is going to be a blowout game all on Pittsburgh the over under is 47.5 I'm taking the under and that's because I think the the Steelers might score like 35 of those points I think it's going to be that bad of a blowout with uh, Joe Batonio being out I, I think the Steelers pass rush then Cleveland's not going to be able to handle it I actually think Nick Chubb is going to be a good play here. You know, he did pretty well last week, and uh, he's their main weapon. And he's a dangerous running back. He's just good. It doesn't matter who he plays. So I, I, I think he's definitely in play to uh, be a, a guy that you put in there this week. But that's it. I don't like Baker Mayfield. I don't like Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Jonathan Peoples-Jones, Austin Hooper. Joku, Harrison Bryant, nobody. Like, Hollywood Higgins, I'll, I'll go back to there because he did get, like, you know, a 40-yard catch last game uh, or last time that they played. And I think he could do it again. I, I mean, they just played last week, so it's pretty fresh in my mind, this matchup. And uh, I think he's, again, it's that second receiver that gets the Steelers. So they're going to be scrambling to find somebody to get the ball to, and I think it's going to be Hollywood Higgins. So he's going to get a lot of volume in this one, a lot more than he got last week. And then, uh, But this is going to be a shellacking by Pittsburgh. Like This could be a great defense to pick up and play, even though they're probably the most expensive defense. 
they're just going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to cause Baker Mayfield to have to throw the ball. That could lead to some turnovers. Steelers are at home. There's just a lot that I like. And the only thing I would say that I don't like about this matchup is just on history. I mean, you guys remember the Tim Tebow game that you know Pittsburgh lost when they should have dominated. You know, the Jacksonville game when they had the bye week. You figured that, that they were going to dominate Jacksonville and Blake Bortles, and they lost that game. So uh, it's one of those things where it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland came in there and uh, represented and pulled off the upset. But uh, looking at this game on paper, there's just, you know, they barely squeaked by the Pittsburgh Steelers' backups. These teams know each other too well. I, I think the Steelers are going to dominate this game. You're starting everyone on the Steelers, basically. Uh, except for James Conner. Cleveland can stop the rush. Steelers can't run the ball. They've pretty much given up running the ball. They don't care that they can't run the ball anymore. But uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Eric Ebron, I think those are all must-starts. I think you're going to see Claypool stretching the field. Deontay Johnson's going to get a lot of targets and volume. I I will say that I think that kind of shuts down Juju Smith-Schuster and... uh, James Washington a little bit in this one but last time they or the first time that they played if you remember uh, Juju Claypool and Deontay Johnson all were uh, got like almost 100 yards and a touchdown that was a you know a big dominating performance by Big Ben and those receivers so I I think that could happen again so maybe Juju is worth a play but uh, again I, I, I like Johnson and Claypool and uh, with my money, I wouldn't go all in on all three of them. Uh, I think Juju's the odd man out. So there you go. Uh, I can't actually. I can't wait for this game either, just because, you know, very rarely do you see the Browns in the playoffs. This is the first time since 2003. So I mean, there's kids that are high school seniors that have never seen the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. That's just crazy. So it'll just be fun to see them in the playoffs. Although I, I don't think they're going to represent and and be in the the tournament very long. All right, here's the part of the show you've all been waiting for. This is the part of the show where you win free money. You listen to our FanDuel lineup. You put them in your lineup, and you win money. It's as easy as that. And if you listened to the show last week, you are a pretty happy camper because we had Deshaun Watson. We had J.K. Dobbins. We had Jonathan Taylor. And we had Brandon Cooks. Just those four guys alone pretty much got you into the money. But, uh, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard, he was mentioned as well. So you, you had a good week. So let's get uh, right into this week's lineup, see how we do at quarterback. You know, I talked a lot of stuff about Lamar Jackson, about how I really liked him this week and how he should be played in all formats. Well, he's really expensive too. So I went with Ben Roethlisberger because – uh, with the Cleveland defense, I just think Roethlisberger lit them up earlier in the year when he played. I'm expecting something similar in this one. He's $7,500. I like that price point. I'm going with Big Ben. and Which leads me to running back. At the running back spot, I have Jonathan Taylor. He's going up against Buffalo. I like this matchup a lot. Buffalo's a team that... Gives up uh, enough rushing yards that makes uh, 
makes me not trust that they're going to be able to hold Jonathan Taylor in check, especially the way he's been going. He's been like a locomotive just plowing through everyone these last three weeks. So I'm I'm still riding that train. He's $8,800, so he's really expensive, but it's worth it. I'm putting him in there. And then my next running back, a little bit cheaper, $6,800. I have J.K. Dobbins, the Baltimore Ravens running back at the Tennessee Titans. Just really like this matchup. Uh, I actually like this matchup for all these Ravens against the Tennessee Titans. So I'm, I'm kind of dipping into that well in, in this matchup. The running back I have, or sorry, the wide receiver that I have is Chase Claypool, $6,100. Really like Chase Claypool. I think he's going to have a similar week to last week. They kind of proved that they just have to throw it up to him. Cleveland's going to have to try to stop that. It's going to be hard because they still have Juju and Deontay Johnson. So it's not like you can just totally focus on Chase Claypool and try to take away that deep ball. And if you do, it's going to open up that stuff inside. So I I like Chase Claypool at $6,100. He's the cheapest option, so I put him in there. Uh, Other wide receiver uh, play, and this is only if Alex Smith plays, of course, but Cam Sims, I still think they're going to connect on one of those big throws. Uh, Playoffs are a perfect time for it. It's against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he's only $4,900. So that really gives me a lot of money to kind of put at other places so I I like Cam Sims a lot in this one and uh, at $4,900 I think he's worth the risk Uh, another risky play is Gabriel Davis for the Bills against Indianapolis Uh, he just has been getting seven targets a game no matter who's in there uh, at wide receiver you know John Brown came back didn't matter Davis still got seven targets so uh, he's at at the five thousand dollar price tag. I like that a lot, and so I'm I'm going with Gabriel Davis. Tight end, I have Jared Cook at fifty nine hundred dollars. He's you know the Bears are one of the worst teams at defending the tight end position, so uh, with that price point, fifty nine hundred dollars going against a horrid defense against the tight end, I like Jared Cook. Flex position, Derrick Henry. I did it. I put him in there. Between him and Kamara, I said I liked Kamara more, but I'm going with Derrick Henry and those rushing yards. I, he's ten thousand two hundred dollars, so that's where the majority of my money went. But it's worth it. You know, you, you got to r- ride the horses, especially in the playoffs. Those are the guys that produce. So he's in there as my flex. And then obviously I have the Steelers on defense against Cleveland in this one. It's forty eight hundred dollars. I just expect a lot of sacks and some turnovers. And uh, it's worth paying the full price for one of the better defenses and matchups that you like in this one. So there it is. There's the FanDuel lineup. I hope you appreciate it. I hope you use it. We'll see how it goes, and we'll uh, talk about it next week. That does it for the Wild Card Weekend. You're listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Show. I am Miz the Wiz Montalban. We'll uh, see how the playoffs shape out for the following week. It should be an exciting week. And you have all weekend to watch. I mean, games on Saturday and Sunday. It's a football fan's dream this week. So uh, enjoy it. We'll be back next week to talk about the matchups that transpire after this week. And we'll talk about what went right, what went wrong. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me.